All right, guys. I'm so glad you're here. Really super glad you're here. In this summer, what we've done is something kind of different. We're used to, if you've come to this church for any period of time at all, you know we go through series. And one of the things we'll do is we'll take a particular topic and we'll kind of break it up, um, that topic. And most people have four points for every sermon. We take one sermon with four points and we make it into a series and we just kind of have the big idea rolling through. Well, in the summertime, we're not doing this. Um, in the summertime, what we're doing is we're, um, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to really just uh, hear from God in a kind of a different way. So there's a lot of things like uh, summer vacations and, you know, uh, things like that that happen. People go away for a weekend. And what we're doing now is every weekend we're taking on a different topic. But it's kind of different in this way, is that I'm just kind of going over verses that have really impressed me. Really, I've been studying for years. And so I, I just wanted to share with you. First one we did was on 1 Corinthians 10:13. right? No temptation has seized you, except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, you also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10:13. The week after that, I did uh, <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 through 11, your attitude should be that. Well, I'm not going to do the whole thing, but, but you get what I'm saying. It's 5 through 11, and this week we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It's just one small verse. We're going to look at parenting. Now, here's the deal. There are some of you here who are past the age of parenting. And what I mean by, I don't know if that's past the age of parenting is the right way to say it but who don't have little kids anymore. Your kids are way grown up, they're out of the house, they're older, or they're way grown up and they're still leeching off of you, whatever it is. But, um, but you have kids that are, are past the stage of what I'm talking about today. And for you, I want to say that there are principles that God could give you right here in this service that are going to serve you well. There are some of you here who, um, who have little kids, and this is exactly what you need. There are others of you who are single moms, and there are others of you who uh, don't have any children at all, and that's a real burden to you. Um, let me just say this before I go on. Um, uh, there's this wonderful couple in Germantown, New York. In Germantown, New York. And they're delightful. You know, they never could have kids. They never could have kids. So you know what they did? They, they started to attract the community kids. And on Sundays, they take like four hours and they do this awesome ice cream, cake, uh, Sunday school thing. And so they couldn't have kids, so they started to bless everybody else's kids. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that what I'm about to share with you today is applicable to all of us. Whether we can have kids or not, you know, or, 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 or have kids, whether, whether we can or cannot, whether we've, our kids are all grown up or our kids are just in the stage that we need them to be for this talk. So I just want you to kind of focus in. We're going to be talking about raising kids, but it's for everybody. It's for everybody. So let's pray, and then we'll get right into it, okay? Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for my friends. I thank you for bringing them here, and I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, there's a ton of people here who are going to be parents one day, and they're going to need to hear what we're talking about. And there's a ton of people here, Lord, whose uh, parenting um, really as you know, it's just a, their, their kids are much older. And I pray, oh God, that you would use them as well. Father, I pray for the parents here and the non-parents. I pray for the people that are here that they would be able to hear your word and be able to translate it in their circumstances and their situation. Father, I know that there's a lot of stuff going on in the hearts and in the minds. Father, there's some of us who just can't stop thinking of sin. And it's devastating us, but we just don't want to stop. And there's others of us, Lord, who just have no deep interest in you. And Lord, I just pray that you would transform our thoughts and our minds about that. And Lord, there are others of us who are absolutely, totally in love with you, can't wait to hear what your word has to say. And I pray that you would just give them that heart's desire. So Father, thank you so much for this time together. I pray that you would do a great thing in this community, within this talk, even now in the hearts of those who listen, even in my heart. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I know a family, I'll, I won't mention their name. I know a family whose parents had 13 kids. 
13. Within about, yeah, right, the women go, ouch, right. In a, within about a 20-year span, they had thir- 13 kids, a lot of kids. Here's the unique thing about this family, and this is really powerful. Listen up. Every one of their kids turned out to be addicts, without exception. They hit that ball out of the park. They, it, every time a kid came by, came down the pipe, it was home run. He's an addict. They did not mess that one up. They made sure. Now, do you know how it is that a family could have 13 kids? Like, you could see if a family had 13 kids and had one kid an addict, two kids an addict. You can understand that. That's, you know, there's always one, right, you know, who messes up. But what was it? Let me tell you what it was. What it was is that this family had developed a system. Not that they had that system in their mind. But the system by which they lived their lives, they developed this system to produce only one kind of person. To produce only one kind of individual. And so this family had 13 children, every one of them an addict. Contrast that to another family a lot longer ago, a guy by the name of Jonathan Edwards, his family. His mother had, I think, 19 children. Right, you think you got busy. You you think you're busy. 19 children, husband not in the picture, single mom. Single mom in a day where it wasn't as easy for single moms to get jobs and the kind of child care that you would get. Single mom took care of 19 kids. Out of those 19 kids, 18 went on to be missionaries, doctors, lawyers. Jonathan Edwards became one of the greatest philosophers and thinkers in the 20th century, actually, that America's ever produced. He's considered to be, if you look him up in like Encyclopedia Britannica, Jonathan Edwards is considered one of the greatest minds that America ever produced. First first president of uh, Princeton, like, Big mind, big mind, right? How is it that this single mom, everything against her, can produce 18 children who come out doctors? And there's always one, right? There's always one, you know, so one of them has to be a drunkard or, you know, is it right? But that's pretty consistent. Like, that percentage is not so bad. How can this family produce 18 out of 19 that go on to be a blessing to the rest of the community and the rest of the world, quite frankly. The hymns that we sing are, are, were written by, um, some were written by Charles, uh, 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 no, I'm thinking of Charles Wesley. Um, but, um, but some of the hymns that we sing were sung by these, uh, by, were written by these Edwards brothers. It's just amazing how many years they've been removed, but what happened? They too had a system of raising their children. Now here's the thing. What system do you have? Now, if you're saying, I don't have any system because I don't have any children, and you're like 16, 19, 24, or you know, whatever age you are, 45, 86, and you go, I don't have any children, I go, that's fine. Don't you have nephews and nieces? Don't you have a desire to invest in them? Grandchildren, children, right? You know, so you, but my question is, for the children in your life, What kind of system do you have in place? Because here's the good news. Your system will produce exactly what it's going to produce. It will produce the exact thing that your system was created to produce. This family, 13 kids, 13 addicts. They had a system that could not produce anything else other than addicts. They had it down pat. This system produced uh, a system of people who Bless the world, really. And they have. So, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that what we're going to talk about today, now, we usually, again, we do series, so I'm going to give you like, I mean, it's going to be like drinking from a fire hose. I'm going to be giving you a ton of stuff. A ton of stuff. But I want you just to kind of open your heart and open your mind in this talk, not to just the children that have your last name, but to the children around you. 
um, we open up our Bibles, and if you don't have your Bibles, there's a, a thing called a sermon map. Um, it's inside your bulletin. You can just kind of open it up. You can take it out. And it says Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. We're only going to look at verse 4. That's all we're going to do. That's what, you, know, you can read the rest of it later. Let me just say about verses 1 through 3. Would you find a culturally appropriate way to honor your parents? Let me just, like, if your parents are still alive, would you just find a culturally appropriate way? Now, let's say, for instance, your parents are demons, right? Like they were evil. They're just bad people, right? Would you still find a a culturally appropriate way? Now, I have friends that are my Asian friends, and the way that they honor their parents is different than the way my American friends honor their... My Asian friends take care of their parents till they die. Like, they literally live in the same home till they die, right? My American friends invest in what's called... Uh, what is that called? Um, nursing homes, right? Different, different kind of honoring. Not, I'm not even making a judgment on it. I'm, all I'm saying is that there's just different cultures, different ways of honoring. Here's my point. Would you just find a culturally relevant way to show your parents' honor? But my, every time I call my mother, my mother is a guilt-producing factory. I understand. My father is a shame-inducing father. I get that. I'm not, listen, I understand that not all of us came from perfect homes. My prayer for you is that you would have as much mercy on your parents as you hope your children have on you, which leads me to a great story. Um, and it's apocryphal. I'm not sure it ever really happened. But uh, it's a story about this old man who, uh, who got sick. And he got sick, and uh, the son took him in, and the daughter-in-law, and he was just a mess. He started to lose function, his bodily fluid functions. He started to lose them, and so it was a mess to clean up, a mess to be around. He started to shake, so eating was a real great mess. So what the family did was they gave him a little table, a little table, and they dug out this, out of wood, they dug this like, they carved this sort of like, if you think of a salad dish, you have an idea. And so he would put his mouth pretty close to it because he would shake and it would spill all over the place. And they just had him eat because it was gross and, you know, eating he had, you know, it just, for them it was gross. And so one day uh, they go into the woodshed and their very little son, who's about five or six years old, um, is carving out a piece of wood. And they go, so what are you doing? And he goes, oh, oh, I'm creating your salad bowl for when I grow up. Right? And so what am I saying? Give your children a clinic on how you want your children to treat you. And do it by honoring your parents. In other words, you want your children to treat you. You're certain that your parents don't deserve respect, honor, or whatever. You know, that might be your story, right? I'm pretty sure your kids might think the same thing. Here's what I'm saying. Give them an example that they could emulate. Not the one that you don't want them to emulate. The one that you do. You go, oh, but you don't know my mom. You don't know my dad. I know. I know. Listen, I get it. I get it. I don't have perfect parents either. What I'm saying is pray and ask God. Number one, deal with the bitterness in your own heart. And then ask God for help. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say about that. Just find a way to honor your parents. Okay, now let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. It says, in fact, why don't we all read this in a loud voice, okay? Okay? Verse 4, all together on the count of three. One, two, three. Fathers. Verse 4. Okay. Okay, class. All right, public school students. Let's come back up here. Ephesians chapter four, 6, verses 4. That's what we're going to focus on. Okay. All right, class? Okay. Let's try this one more time. We're going to do it this time. You don't have it there. Fathers. That's what it should say. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. So now here we go. All right. Here we go. One, two, three. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead... Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Isn't that good news? Like, isn't that just a good suggestion? 
Oh, by the way, don't exasperate your kids. And all the kids say what? Amen. Yeah, absolutely, right? And so, but, but do this. Instead, do this. Now, now, let's watch this. Now, again, as I'm speaking here, this lands on you in many different areas. I need you to pray to God to give you wisdom. If you don't have kids, ask God to give you wisdom with what you're learning. If you do have kids and they've grown up, ask God to give you wisdom with what you're learning. Just ask God for wisdom. Okay. Now, let's look at this because we're going to have to define a few words and then we're going to go right into it. Um, uh, fathers. Now, the fathers here, look up at me. The fathers here is actually speaking to fathers, but it's, it's broader than that. It's talking about parents. So, dads, it's really important. Get this. Please, please get this. Please get this, dads. I don't want to. Here, let me give you some statistics that should stir you. By the way, if you're the kind of person who needs um, sightings and just go, oh, by the way, where did you find that? I have, I have like 50-something of these statistics in my office, this university study. You can email me at NBT Pastor Edward. I just took a few of them out just to kind of illustrate this, and I didn't take the time to say, you know, University of Nebraska, blah, 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 you know, did this study or whatever. But here it is. 70%, 70%, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. That group right there, 1, 2, 3, don't go to jail. These seven go to jail. 70%, 70% of incarcerated that's the way I want you to think. 70% of incarcerated youth, 63% of youth suicides, 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Father absent. And, and again, if you need the sightings and all that other stuff, NBC, Pastor Edwin at AOL.com, I'll get you. And there, there's dozens of these things where they've done studies. Listen, let me tell you something. The experiment went out that we didn't need dads, and it came back real bad. Real bad. Fathers, you're really, really needed. Now, here's the thing. You're tired. I get that. You're overworked. I get that. You're stressed. I get that. You're not having a good time with your spouse. I get that. You're, you wish you had a different life. I get that. Dads, listen to me. You make the difference. Moms, you're hugely important. Dads, listen to me. I don't even know how to shoot that any straighter. Without you, your child exponentially grows in tragedy. Just, I don't even know. So, you know, it's not, it's not from the Bible. It's just statistics that they've done. Take it the way you want. Fathers, do not exasperate. Exasperate. Now, the word here, exasper exasperate, means to provoke, to get angry. Okay, so if I, so have you ever, have you ever been in a relationship and you said this, I've said this, I go, you're just trying to pick a fight with me. Have you ever been there, am I the only one, right? Is there anybody else, right? Okay, sure, you're just like, I just got home five minutes ago. You're just trying to pick a fight with me, right? Um, and, you know, not just in marriages, you do this with friendships, you're just bosses, right? You're just trying to pick a fight with me. Teachers, you can just do this all over the place, right? That's what it feels like to be exasper exasperated. It, it, it feels like to be provoked, to be pushed into a corner. Now, here's the thing. Everybody knows what it feels like to be exasperated. Hardly anybody knows when, when they're actually being the person that's exasperating others. It's easy to see in others, hard to see in the mirror, is what I'm saying. Right? And so the, the Bible says, listen, don't provoke your children. Now, make angry and provoke, we have to kind of define. When I, when I was teaching my son how to, uh, I wasn't teaching him, I was providing for him classes so he could learn how to uh, play piano. Well, one of the things that I did was I, I just made a decision that he had to practice like a half hour every day. It might have been an hour. Like, if you hear him tell it, it's like six hours. Right? But it was like, it might have been an hour. Um, but it was like a half hour, hour. Here's the thing. On summer days like this, he thought I was Satan, right? And, which I understand. Made him very angry. 
cry even playing the piano, but I just want to be out there, right? Now, loves it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Dad, for helping me, um, helping me practice the piano. That might have made him angry, but it, it, it made him angry with wisdom. In other words, some of the rules and the boundaries that you set down might make your kids mad. That's just fine. But we're with, the kind of angry we're talking about is nonsense, right? They, I mean, you know, they get a B, you're angry about not having an A. That's just exasperating your children. You know, they dress fine, and for no good reason, you have them change their clothes at the last minute. That's just... Exa- now, I'm not talking about if they're... I mean, if he's dressing like a pimp, or, or she's dressing like a, you know, something else, right? I'm, ta- I'm, I'm not talking about... I'm saying they dress fine. It's just maybe not your style, not your hair color, not the way you would do your hair, or something like that. You, you can exasperate your children. So the Bible says this. Don't do this. Don't provoke your children. Don't go, come on, you want to fight? 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 Don't do that with your children. If you're not sure if you're doing that with your children, <laughs> just ask your kids. <laughs> and just, it's, just, it's not hard. Just go, hey, is there anything that you feel like I make you angry at? And they'll tell you five things. They'll tell you 50 things. 49 of them, you'll be like, yes. I want, you know, I want you to do your homework. I want you to study. I want you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'm fine with that. And they'll tell you one or two nuggets where they're going, oh, man. You know, and it's just silly stuff. And you go, oh, but I just want you to, you know, develop it. Well, yeah, but you're, do, you're going about it in the wrong way. Does that make sense? Right? So don't exasperate your children. Okay. Um, then it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, contrast word. This is now is going to shift. So don't be this way. Rather, be this way. Instead, you know, go this way, right? Bring. Bring. That's the word that the, that the Bible um, uh, has there. Bring them up in the training and instruction. Let's look at this word bring. This word bring really means to nourish. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? To nourish. So the Bible says... Don't provoke your children. Don't pick on them. Don't, you know, just find ways to make them feel guilty and make them feel sick. The Bible says, here's what you do. Nourish them. Nourish them. You know what nourishing does? Nourishing creates an environment where they get what they need. So you need to create nourishment for them. Spiritually, physically, educationally. Uh, emotionally, uh, intellectually. You need to create environments. You need to bring them, nourish them, carry them along, guiding principles, creating environments, bring. You're going to nourish them. Um, This very exact word, this this word that gets translated bring, because everybody knows, uh, I mean, you guys know that the New Testament was written in Greek, right? Old Testament, Hebrew mostly, some Aramaic, but the New Testament was written in Greek. And so they had to translate this Greek word into English. In the, in the same book, just a paragraph or two before, not a paragraph or two, in, the, in just a chapter before, in Ephesians 5.29, this word is actually translated, nourish. Because that's what it means. It means to bring. It means to nourish. Okay, so nourish or bring your child. Instead, bring your child or nourish them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, listen to me. Of the Lord. Somebody say, of the Lord. Of the Lord. Now, please, listen to me. Listen to me. We've gotten enough insights in... Okay, so I'm talking to Christians now, okay? So if you don't know Jesus, please know Jesus, right? He's like my best friend. You'd love, you'd love him if you got to meet and if, you're, if you're, you're part of the thing where you hate churches, you don't want to have anything to do with a bunch of hypocrites, don't worry, there's always room for one more. And so I encourage you to just go ahead and, and come on in on that. And so he, here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. For Christians, we raise our children in the knowledge of the Lord. Of the Lord. Not of Dr. Spock and his 1970s and 1980s books. Not of, of talk show hosts. Not of... I, I, I had so much material for this talk, it would have taken five weeks to get through it. But just recently, 
um, there's a new show. It kind of looks like The View. Yeah, anybody, anybody know the name of the show? It, the Chicks. I don't know. Something like that. Because it's like, no, that's terrible. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know I just lost half of you. It's like the girls. And they're very girly. And they're, it's just not something that appeals to me at all. All right. So The Chicks. And so, um, so uh, the, the, they, they have, what is it called? The Talk. <laughs> the Talk. That's what it would be called. And so, um, and so in the talk, they, they occasionally, and they had the one celebrity, right? I think it was Roseanne. It was Roseanne. I know for a fact. And Roseanne was there, and she was like, no, I don't think that you should raise children and give them boundaries at all. I think that you should just kind of give them opportunity to, and everybody. <laughs> genius. Oh, my gosh. That's what. Yes. That's exactly what we should do. I wanted to throw up. But, but so you know, those people are not raising their children in the ways of the Lord. Just so you know, the whole world celebrating. Let me tell you something. You wouldn't do that with history. Like history. You wouldn't just go, you know what, I'm not going to teach my child any history. I'm not going to let them go to history classes. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm just going to, when they grow up, I'll let them investigate history. And history, like, like you know, right? Your kids, in the subject that they like the least... Right? They might say math, they might see, you know, but math they really need. Reading they really need. History they're like, oh, why would I ever need that, right? And you wouldn't do that with history. Why would you do that? But that's the way of the world. We, as Christ followers, we need to bring up our children in the instruction of the Lord. Now, what that means for me and you is that means that we have to be surrendered, submitted, delighting, rejoicing, submitting, obeying Christ. And if we don't do that, what we'll find is that it won't translate well, giving it to the kids. Does this make sense? In other words, right, if it's, almost like, it's almost like the parent who smokes that says, there'll be no flipping smoking in this house, Right? And the kids look at the mom and they just go, okay, really? Yeah, I mean, like, did you have that, right? right? I remember one time my brother, who was like the head of our household, he was my oldest brother when my dad left, and um, I remember one time he goes, and I'm, 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 sub- I'm changing the word that he used because it was so vile. He goes, there'll be no flipping cursing in this house. Uh, okay, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. You look real mad, so I'm not going to comment, but... That's obviously stupid, isn't it? Well, that's what we look like. When we don't delight, celebrate, submit, love the Lord, our heaven, when we don't obey, love, enjoy, celebrate, spend time with our Heavenly Father, what kind of example are we giving to our earthly kids to obey, enjoy, spend time with their earthly father, their earthly parents? Make sense? Right? So it's instruction of the Lord, not the societal thing. Okay, so... Now, let's look at these two words that I really want to spend the rest of our time. Okay. So, as fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction. These are the two words that I want us to look at. Training has to do with discipline and correction, and that's absolutely needed. Instruction has to do with education or teaching um, or warning. Okay. So, let's look at these together. One of the things that we have to do as parents... I was just at a church last week as Raymond was preaching here. I was preaching at Central Baptist. This is a great church. And so I, I, I witnessed a kid jumping all around, around his dad. And he actually smacked his father in the back of the head. Like, you know, he's a little kid. But he jumped up and he just made it and he hit the father in the back of the head. And I just go, that couldn't, he couldn't have survived in my house. And, just, and not because I'm abusive or anything, but there's just no correction. There's no discipline. There's no training. I just, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Let me let you know why we're in the mess we're in with raising children. In around sometime in the 70s, right, there was a doctor. His name, he wrote, he was a prolific writer, like wrote a lot of stuff. He wrote books on raising children. His name was... Dr. Spock. Anybody ever heard of him, right? It's everywhere. 
every, every kind of teaching that you receive in raising your child is from him. And he said that if you discipline or punish your kids, you are hurting their soul. You are doing damage on their being. Now, here's the thing. Just before he died, he wrote an article that said that he was completely and utterly wrong. <laughs> that 30 years of his experiments had gone, and we took a whole generation. We didn't correct them at all. We just let them do whatever they wanted. So, so here's what happens. Little Sam, you're, you're, in, you're in aisle five, right? And it's the cereal aisle. And little Sammy has to have his sugar bomb Cocoa Puffs, right? And he starts to freak out. And so little Sammy's freaking out, and he's doing his crazy little dance on the floor and all that other stuff. He finally gets up, and here's, here's the instruction, Dr. Spock gave. He said, what you need to do is you need to get down on their level and go, Sammy, why are you doing this? And then Sammy would say, because I want the sugar bomb cocoa puffs, and you're not giving them to me. And then you're supposed to go, but Sammy, I can't give you sugar bomb cocoa puffs because it'll jack you up and you're already a handful. And, and little Sammy says, little Sammy says, I don't care, I want my sugar bomb cocoa puffs. And then you're supposed to go and go, now Sammy, we're not going to get them this time, but if you're good, we'll get them next week. Okay, mom, good negotiation. Okay, shake on it. You know what you've just done? Right? And and some of y'all are laughing, but some of y'all are not. Because you know that this is exactly what you've been doing with your children. And it's a nightmare. You know what you've done? Just so you know, your child is not your equal. They're not. Please, don't, don't raise them up to be your equal. Like, they might be your equal one day. My, my son is, is my better now. He's better than me. He's better than me. My son is so much better than me. He's so much better than me. But as I was raising him, we weren't on equal terms. I had a position. And he had a position. And my job was to make sure that I raised him up better than me. And by God's grace, he is. Like hardly anything that I did, Liz did most of the work. All I'm saying is, he's better than me. Well, Dr. Spock did this experiment for 30 years, and you know what you got? You got a bunch of kids who at eight years old thought that their opinion mattered just as much as their parents. I literally would hear kids say, uh, oh my goodness, just, well, dad, you know, has coffee. Why can't I have coffee? Because there's a difference. There's a difference. You, you, dad might be able to have coffee, but you can't have coffee. That's exactly right. Yup. It's just like that. And so, but, but, but dad can stay out late. Why can't I? You know, mom and dad can stay out late on their date. Why can't, at 13, why can't I stay out late at 13? Because there's a difference. Mom and dad are married. And we're but, but, but here's what we've done. What we've done is we've taken all discipline and all correction. And here's what we, let me tell you what we've done. Right? Let me see if I could do this. I didn't do this in the last service. I'll do it in this one. What we've done is we've taken all discipline and all correction, right? And we've gone like this. We've gone, here, you discipline me. You correct me. You make sure that I don't get out of line. And you know, they do. They absolutely do. Let me tell you something. You give a five-year-old your job, they take it. For real. I'm not even kidding. Put any five-year-olds in this place. I'll tell you, let me stay five minutes in your house, and I'll know who's in control. I know who's the boss. It's just that easy. So listen, listen. Here's a, I'm not saying that we should beat our kids. I'm not saying, this is not what I'm saying. This is like a symbolism of like beating your kids. I'm not saying a symbol. It's like beating your kids. I don't want you to beat your kids. But what I am saying is that we need to discipline our kids. Now, here's how discipline looks like. Number one, discipline does not, discipline looks two ways. Discipline looks like a regiment that's in place to produce biblical habits. For instance, you want your child to read their Bible. So you have a schedule for that. Read your Bible. That's a discipline. You want your child to get up at a certain time. That's a scheduling issue. So you let them go to sleep at a certain time. You want your child to uh, be attentive to the, to the teacher and not interrupt. So when your child comes up to you and says, Mom, I say, no, 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 stop right there. I'm speaking to an adult. See, see, see. 
You know what that's called? Discipline. Now, I have four kids. Some kids are tougher than others. I've got mine. And so I have three kids, uh, three kids, Edwin, Serenity, and Lydia. If you put all the times that I had to spank them, and what I mean by spanking is different than maybe what you grew up with. I'm not talking about taking blood out of people's legs. I'm not talking about knocking people out. I'm not talking about undisciplined discipline. I'm talking about being very, very, you know, and, and, it, and again, when you see the spanking that I'm talking about, it's different. So if you're spanking your children in a rage, you are, you're way off. You're out of line. You need to take a time out. For real, you need help. Don't do that. But, however, if you spank your kids, with, you know, and if you're, if you're like, you know what, I, I don't believe you just said that. Spanking is so terrible. Listen, l- let me be honest with you. Some of us wish that your parents would have spanked you. And I just want you to know that it, it would have done you some good. And, um, and okay, so, so, so what happens is, with, if you put these three kids, my three kids, Serenity, Edwin, and Lydia, and you put, and now I have 19 years worth of experience with those kids, right? Because my son is 19, right? 19 years worth of experience with those three kids. And you put Grace over here on the side. Now watch this. Grace got spanked more in a week than they did in all 19 years. Just, and let me tell you what spankings were, right? This, this was Grace. This was Grace. This is tremendous. And, and now Grace is a great kid. I love Grace. She's, she's um, I learned that she needs answers. And so I try to give her answers, but I also, produ- I also try to produce in her um, an ability to obey. And so, you know, I go, okay, I promise, I'll tell you the answer to that once you do it. You know, I'll give you the answer once you do it, but just I need you to do it. But it would be like this. Hey, um, this is like a 10,000 volt unit, and if you touch it, your hand's going to explode. And she would go, really? <laughs> and just look at me. And look at me like I was stupid. And I was like, didn't you hear me say that? I said, yeah. So why'd you touch it? I don't know. I was like, okay, so this is a cookie. I don't want you to take the cookie. Don't take it. Would you not take the cookie? Okay, I'm not going to take the cookie. <laughs> Looking at me. I just, You're out of your mind. And so here's what it would be. I would take her hand, and this was my spankings. That's it. That was it. She would go out of her mind. She would be like, ah! Like, it would be like torture. She was like, oh, you're killing me. She's two, three years old, and so you go, boom, boom. And I'm controlled. I'm not trying to be upset. I'm not, you know, it's a little kid, and I just, they need correction. But here's what I know. If I don't do that at three, the correction officer will at 30. And I don't think they're doing it this way, for the record. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Discipline your children. Discipline with schedule, you know, habits, and things like that, but also correct them. You know, you know whatever that looks like in your home. Uh, again, for me, there's, we have multiple ways of disciplining our children. When they're before five, it's, you know, no, this, putting your finger in this thing, in this socket, and, I, and some things, honestly, my wife and I are different. I tell them not to put their finger in the socket, once. That's it. Because I figure <laughs> if they put their finger in the socket, I go, I won't need to tell them. I think, I think that they'll get the lesson from there. There's certain things that you just, reality discipline just is wonderful. But discipline still needs to be in place. Like, I know that's going to hurt you. All right, you want to do it? Okay. Go ahead. Uh, and, you know, and then they come back and they're like, oh, God, you know, it's all right. I, that, that's why I told you not to do it. But now that you know, um, hopefully the next time you'll, you can learn from a suggestion rather than from... Okay, so that's the kind of discipline we're talking about. But we're not just talking about discipline. That's the training. We're also talking about what? Instruction. So, folks, you've got to instruct your children. Great kids don't grow up to be great adults by accident. You've got to have... And so, write this down. If you want to instruct your children, write this down. What is my vision for my children? What is my vision? Do you want your kids to be a baseball player? And honestly, I don't recommend that you choose a career path for your kids. But what do you want from your kids? Do you want them to be uh, uh, loving Jesus, living in purity, financially responsible? Well, if that's what you want from them, beloved, you've got a plan for that. 
You gotta, here's one thing. I know that the rest of society lives off of plastic. I know for 10 years what it's like to live in deep debt. Deep debt, like $30,000, right? When I started this church, I got into $30,000 worth of debt because none of y'all gave. <laughs> it's just that simple. Y'all were all terrible. So, but things have changed a little bit, and some of y'all still haven't gotten the memo, but it's all right. You're going to come along, I'm sure. But now watch this. I got into $30,000 worth of debt. Some of the speakers that we still use in some of our services are the ones that I bought with my credit card. That's how crazy it got, right? So I got into like $30,000 worth of debt. And I know what it's like to spend 10 years trying to pay that off. It was a painful lesson. Don't want my kids to go through that. So here's what I do. I pay my I, I kill two birds with one stone. I pay, I, I want my kids to have a habit of, of health, physical health. I think that's really important. I think that all of society is going the way of not moving around and becoming unhealthy. So, you know, America is the fattest place in the world, right? Like, I mean, you know, you go anywhere else and you don't see people as fat and as lazy as you see in America, right? Okay, cool. So if that's the case, then I want my kids not to be a part of that statistic. So you know what one of the things I do? Is I pay my kids to exercise. You know how much I pay them? 20 cents a minute. That's big bucks. I, I, and I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking I should have just gone 10 cents a minute. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But now watch this. Every week, they get paid for their exercise. They're associating exercise with... Now, here's what they do. When I give them the money, I don't even have to ask them anymore. They say, this is what I'm going to give, generosity. This is what I'm going to save, you know, pay yourself. And then I'm going to spend the rest. Grace is saving up in her spending money, saving up to buy her sister a great gift for her birthday. She couldn't, she couldn't be this generous, because she has a generous heart. She just couldn't be that generous if she wasn't a planner for that. But I want them to be financially free. So give, save, spend the rest. Has anybody ever heard that around here? Right? We've talked that a few times, right? Right? Give, save, spend the rest. First, be generous with God. He's the one who provided everything for you. Give unto the Lord. Save, pay yourself. Don't tell me that you go on and working 20 years and you didn't pay yourself once. You paid Amex and you paid the electric bill and you paid your credit cards and you paid all of that and you didn't pay yourself. Are you mad? Pay yourself. Give, save, pay yourself. Spend the rest. Live on what else you can. Right? So, so, so we call it the 10-10-80 rule here. But I'm teaching them that. Because I have a vision for them. What's your vision for your kids? What's your? Because I'm instructing them. I know everything that I do, I'm instructing. When I pray at the table with them, I'm instructing them in prayer. When I'm relating to them and I disagree with them, I'm instructing them in interpersonal relationships. When I have conflict with them, I'm, I'm, I'm instructing them. I'm trying to resolve the conflict, but at the same time, I'm instructing them. I'm instructing them. What's your vision for your kids? Here's the truth. If you don't have a vision for your kids, don't worry. The world does. Your neighborhood does. There are some neighborhoods that can't help but produce felons and car thieves and drug addicts. You don't have, there are some neighborhoods that can't help but produce uh, teenage moms and out-of-wedlock children. They can't help but produce that. That's, what they, that's in their DNA. You need to produce. Have a vision for your kid. If you don't have a vision for your kid, somebody else will. Okay, so we need to instruct our children. So we need to discipline our children, and we need to instruct our children. So, uh, look at this. We need to have a vision for our kids. Purity. Like, I mean, it's... Okay, let me ask you honestly. I remember, and I didn't say this first. There was another guy. He said this. He goes, man, you... He was talking about someone who had went ahead and did some terrible things and had sex outside of marriage and all that other stuff. And he said to the person, he said, you know, oh, thank you. He said to them, did you practically put the condom on them? Just in your instruction and in how you treated them. I can show you parents who put the condom on their kids. Just, it's awful. 
Like, I don't know how to shoot that any straighter. Is that, is that cute or is that funny? Or, I just don't know how to say that. Just, you just, you set it up. You set it up. There's a family that I know. Took their kids to, think about this, rated R movie. Kids not 12 years old, they took them to a rated R movie. And for some of you, it's no big deal. The kids saw the horror movie, urinated in his pants. Everybody thought it was the funniest thing. Like, what do you, what do you, what, what do you, do you not have a vision for your kids? Do you not know that if you wa- allow the TV to be your babysitter, do you not know how destructive that's going to be for raising your children? Do you not know that? Did you not know that if you go, oh, they're 12 years old. Listen, the world says we recommend, like the world who doesn't believe in God, the world who's not very strong on morality, the world says, by the way, the kids that go to this movie shouldn't be any younger than 13. The world! It's like Satan putting up a, 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 a chart. And it's like, oh, but we're renting it and we're staying home. And what am I going to do? Have them stay in their room? Uh, and yeah. Or don't watch the movie. Or play a board game. Or, or, or hit yourself in the toe with a hammer. But don't expose yourself expose your children to this kind of stuff, man. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's happened. I, and I'm telling you, this has happened so much, it's, it's like I, I need to take like a day off after I have one of these counseling sessions. I sit down and I go, Mom, Dad, you're raising your children in a way that's just not healthy. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to, I need you to just go ahead and take the Take the cable out. Just go ahead and let's be radical about this. Okay, there's this thing called K9 web protection. You should all get that. By the way, did you know that 90% of boys, by the time they're 14, will have seen pornography on their computer? Seen it. It'll be their home computer. Think about this, and I'm not trying to be a goofball. I'm not trying to be funny. They're just doing a study on a particular presidency and the vice president. So they put George Bush, and then they put, they're, they're looking up Dick Cheney. You have no idea the vile images that would pop up for that search. If you don't have a, a parameter, a canine web protection, if you don't have a vision for your children, you know, so here's what happens. I sit with Mr. and Mrs. Clueless, and, and, and so I sit with them, and I go, what did you think was going to happen? happen when you allowed them to watch rated R movies at 11 years old? What did you think was going to happen? But she's pregnant and she's this. And she, what did you think was going to happen? Like, what did you think? Did you think that this was going to end up well? Like, I don't even know how to... But you know what? I'm like Jeremiah sometimes. Jeremiah goes out and like, you know, it's like a prophet, right, on the Old Testament. God wants you to change your ways. God wants you to turn from sin. God wants you to... And you're like, of course that's what the pastor says. Silly pastor. Morals are for preachers, not for people. And then I get the beautiful privilege of watching their life become a train wreck. One family I'm thinking of, three girls, every one of them were pregnant before they were 18. I just said, I just, I, like, I didn't even know what to do. So, so here's what I'm doing. Instruct and train your children in the Lord. Not according to how your culture was raised. Not according to, you know, ah, but that's no big deal. Yeah, it is. It really is. It really, really is. So would you be discerning on what you... So now, if you don't want to... Um, if you don't want to uh, um, uh, raise your children to love Jesus and have a vision for Jesus, good news. I put in your bulletin how to make a child into a delinquent in 12 easy steps. Open up your bulletin. We'll look through them. Because why do this when you can raise a child to be a delinquent? So here we go. Go ahead. Open up your bulletins. It's going to be fun. Okay. Now, I didn't invent this list. This list came from... Um, 
This list came from a sheriff in Dallas, police force. Okay, here we go. How to make a child in, into a delinquent in 12 easy steps. Are you ready? This is going to be great. Here we go. Begin at infancy to give the child everything he wants, and this way he'll grow up to believe the world owes him a living. Two, when he picks up bad language, laugh at him. This will make him think he's cute when he curses. Three, never give him any spiritual training. Wait until he's 21 and then let him decide for himself. Number four, avoid using the word wrong. It may, develop a, he, it may develop a guilt feeling. This will condition him to believe later, when he is arrested for stealing a car, that society is against him and he is being persecuted. Number five, pick up everything that kid leaves lying around. Books, shoes, clothes. Do everything for him so that he will be experienced in throwing all responsibilities on others. Look up at me. Uh, families, listen, if you have sons and you really, you have a feeling that you're not going to like your daughter-in-law and you want to really stick it to her, do everything for your son. Pick up after him, clean his dish after him. You will curse that lady in ways that you have no idea. Okay, let's go. Number seven, we're not done. We're still, come on, it's just easy steps. You can do this. Seven. So six, all right, don't want to miss one. Uh, let him read any printed material. Listen, right there. Also put down, let him watch wrestling and, and, and let him watch movies and let him watch TV after eight o'clock. All those adult programs that even you get ashamed of uh, watching in front of your parents, let them watch it. It's okay. Let them play um, uh, those video games, like, uh, what's some of those fun video games? Um, like, uh, what's that car stealing one? Grand Auto Theft. Yes, yes, let them play that. Let them play that. Let them listen to music. Listen to me. Let them listen to music when, when it talks about women as bitches and hoes. Let them do that. Do that. Let him read any printed material or do any of the other things that I just said. He can get his hands on. Be careful that the silverware and drinking glasses are sterilized, but let his mind feast on garbage. Quar Number seven, quarrel frequently in the presence of your child. In this way, they will not be too shocked when the home is broken up later. Eight, give a child all the spending money he wants. Never let him earn his own. Why should he have to go? Why should he have things as tough as you had them? Nine, satisfy every craving for food, drink, and comfort. See that every sensual desire is gratified. Denial may lead to harmful frustration. Ten, take your child, child's part against neighbors, teachers, and policemen. They are prejudiced against your little perfect kid. Eleven, when he gets into real trouble, apologize for yourself by saying, I never could do anything with him. Twelve, prepare for a life of grief. You are likely to have it. Okay, so, so here's my thought. Would you just choose what the Bible says? Would you just go, Jesus, I want to be totally in love with you. To the degree that that love gets poured out on my child in direction and correction and in ways that will help raise this child up to... So here's, here's some suggestions. One, I'm going to give you four, rapid fire. One you already wrote down. What is your vision for your child? What's, your pure, what, what's the vision in purity, philosophy, uh, physically, spiritually, educationally, financially? What's your vision for your kid? Second, here, write this down. Now, I'm just going to give you four basic principles. They're not questions or anything like that. Just four basic principles. Here's the second principle that you should know about parenting. Rules, write that down. Rules, this is an equation. Minus, that means put the takeaway sign, the minus sign. Rules minus relationship equal rebellion. Did you know that? In other words, if you're like me and you lean towards rules, right? Or you're like maybe my wife who leans more towards relationship, right? If you have rules 
minus relationship, you have rebellion. But if you have rules plus relationship, you know what you have? Rejoicing. Everybody wins. If you spend time... Now, you're not sure how to... How, okay, so next. Here's, a, here's another principle. And again, we're doing this as we're sitting in Christ and He's giving us wisdom and we're begging God for our children and help. It's just, and I'm going to give you a way to pray on that for the next month. I'm going to give you a way to pray for your children. 31 different prayers for your children. That's going to bless your socks off. Okay. Next is, you should know this principle. Kids spell love T-I-M-E. That's how kids spell love. T-I-M-E. Time. Here's how that played out in my house. I didn't do this enough. I didn't do this enough, but once or twice I might have done this. I mean, I did this once or twice. I would go into my son's room, and there would be like a time where we're just not connecting, and I would feel that, and I would pray, and I would go, God, what is it? We're not connecting. I don't feel like we're connecting. So you know what I would do? I would go and sit in his room. I would sit in his room and stay there, and after 15 minutes, I would want to punch him in the face because he wouldn't say anything to me, right? So I would sit there, and I would be like, there's a million things that I could be doing. I'm a very busy person. There's a million things I could be doing. You know what? After doing that twice, I got wise. I said, you know what? took my Bible, took a book I was reading, took my pillow, and I laid down on the floor of his room. He didn't have a room at the time, but, you know, where he was reading, where he was just hanging out by himself, right? I put my book there. He goes, what are you doing? He goes, just reading. If you want to talk, though, I'm here. Read. Forty-five minutes later. Forty-five minutes later. Sometimes it was like an hour and a half. Tons of time later, he would go, you know, I just feel like this is so stupid with this kid in my school. Like, I don't even know why they got into that fight. And I go, really? So, now, I had asked him. Ask me if I asked him what happened in school today. Ask me what his answer was. Nothing. <laughs> but I pay my dues for 45 minutes, and all of a sudden, the Niagara Falls opens up in this kid's heart. And he wants to talk to me, right? Listen, T-I-M-E, spend time with your kids. That might mean for some of you unplugging the internet. It might mean taking off the cable. I would wholeheartedly encourage you. Your, your family life would shoot through the roof if you just cut off TV. Just, just one thing. One thing. Just your family life would go through, get little uh, uh, board games, play them with one another. Phenomenal. Okay. Third, uh, fourth thing that I'll give you. Have a devotional time. Have a devotional time. <laughs> have a de- you ever hear where kids go, da, 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 and then they start speaking and clapping their hands. They look like Flipper. Um, okay. Have a devotional time. Here's my favorite devotional uh, time family book of all time. I've done this with my kids like four times. Maybe five. I love this. Every, I think every theologian, every pastor should read this book. This is the Jesus the Jesus Storybook, um, Storybook Bible. I love this devotional. Every single story whispers Jesus' name. I mean, it's just wonderful, wonderful. Okay, so let me tell you what I do. But you go, my kids don't want to have a devotional time. Okay, I'm going to give you a trick, okay? This is what I do with my kids. I don't like sweets. Does anybody, who here loves sweets? Go ahead and, yeah, it's just a bunch of chocoholics, right? Yeah, yeah. And so... Right? So now, I have a, a, a trader in my own home, my wife, right? So she tries to sneak in the cookies and the sodas and things like that. But, but I don't like sweets. I don't think it's a good idea. I think that it's, you know, for health reasons and all that stuff, not a good idea. Um, okay. So, but I allow sweets into my house for one thing. And I monitor what kind of sweets they are. It's this thing. Anybody here ever had um, frozen yogurt? Anybody here ever had Wicked Spoon frozen yogurt? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Unbelievably tasty. Like, make it, like if you don't have a sweet tooth, you got one now. If you have, right? And so what I do is I'll get three or four pints of red velvet uh, frozen yogurt. You have not lived until you... I know that after this, you guys are going to go have some ice cream. 
see if they have red velvet anything. It's, like, it's, it's, it's a little piece of heaven, right? So now watch this. We never eat red velvet frozen yogurt except for devotional time. Everybody knows it. It's the only time we eat red velvet. So you'll be in my house, right? And, and some of you have been in my house where my kids come up to me and go, Bob, we're doing our devotional? And you look at them and you go, oh my gosh, they're so spiritual. No, no, they're not. Let me tell you something. What am I doing? I'm getting, listen, listen, here's what Satan does. He combines sin with pleasure and creates an addiction. Here's what God does. He combines blessing with pleasure and creates a joyful life. Do that for your kids. Devotional time. So, I got tons of pictures in here. Now, we finished it for the fourth or fifth time, so my kids were like, we can't do that one again. I'm like, Yes, we can. I really love this one. We need to do it like 20 times before you leave the house. These stories need to be ingrained into your mind. And so they go, so here's what we've done. What we've done is we have a mini worship service in my house, right? They still have their little frozen yogurt, right? And here's what we do. We take the guitar out, and they go, what song do you want to sing? And they pick a song, and I butcher it. And it's fine. And it's okay. And it's all right. And we sing the song, ah, right? Then, what we do is we open God's Word. And I simply share with them what God has taught me that day. Because I have a devotion. Remember how I said in the beginning? We're we're rejoicing, celebrating, enjoying Jesus. That stuff flows out of us. And so, I have a devotional. God's taught me something that day. So I'm teaching them what God taught me in an age-appropriate way. Right? Obviously, it means something to me that's a little bit deeper maybe than it can mean to them. So in an age-appropriate way. It's fine. So I do that. Then after that, we get around uh, the bed and we pray. 20 minutes, maybe. You'd be amazed at some things that happen. The last time we were having a talk, I learned two things about my kids that I didn't know. I never knew. Like I asked them, you know, hey, have you ever been sad? Because we were reading Psalm 13 and the guy is like really disappointed and sad with God and all that other stuff. And she said, yeah, I was sad when... And then she said something real personal to us. I missed that. I didn't, I didn't catch that one when it happened. But now I'm thinking, God, give me wisdom on how to prepare her for when that happens again. You know, how to help her through that. Because that obviously affected her. It happened like last year, but it's still affecting her. See, see, here's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. You can do this. Now, in your bulletins, you'll have 31 biblical virtues to pray for for your children by Bob Hosteller. I'm just going to read the th- first three. So, well, all right, you can pr- watch this. And so what it is, is you can pray, you can go down this list. So today is, what's today? What's today's date? Somebody shoot out the date. It's the 24th. So go to the 24th, right? And today, God, I pray that my child have a servant's heart. <laughs> Anybody want that to come true for their, chi- their kid? You know, I pray for my next door neighbor's kids. Maybe you don't have kids. Maybe you have nieces, nephews, next door neighbors, uh, grandchildren, whatever. I pray that they would have a servant's heart. Every day of the month, you have a prayer. If you do this for one year, you will have prayed for your kid's salvation 12 times, a servant's heart 12 times. You see how cool this is? It's just a simple thing. To keep your mind steadied on worshiping the Lord and raising your children to worship the Lord. Okay. So, in essence, the parent that brings up a child in the ways of the Lord is one who's soaking in the ways of the Lord. So, how's your devotional life? How's your walk with Christ? How are you doing? Because that will translate to your children. Secondly, you need, there are certain principles that you don't break, but you break under. Like, if you don't spend time with your kids, believe me, you, people think, oh, I got 18 years with my kids. No, you don't. You maybe got 10. After 10, they start developing a social network outside the home. It's just recently. My daughter, 12 years old, for her birthday, she wants to go uh, to, um, to the nail salon. 12 years old, nail salon, with her girlfriends. Right? Right? Now watch this. Already she's thinking outside of the home. 12. 
I don't have 13 years with them. You got 10. So, here's what you do. Spend time. Beg God. Submit your life to your heavenly Father. And that as your children see you submit your life to your heavenly... Listen. Sacrifice. Go through the difficult times. Stick it out. And you'll see your children grow up. Now, if you need a little bit more instruction, more than a little one-hour sermon can possibly give, I encourage you, you can email me at nbtpastoredwin at aol.com. nbtpastoredwin at aol.com. And I'll try to instruct you the best way I can. But like if your kid is like, for instance, 9 to 16, you need to get this book called Every Young Man's Battle. Your daughters, 9 to 16, Every Young Woman's Battle. At 9, it's preemptive. At 16, it's damage control. But you need to, you need to start talking to your kids about sex in a way that's biblical and not um, foolish. But there's so much more I could say. Here's what I want you to do. I Basically, what I'm saying is, as you surrender your life to Christ, God will lead you with your children, your neighbors, your nieces, your nephews, your grandchildren. God will lead you, and he'll glorify himself through you. Ask God to give you wisdom with what to do, with what you just heard. As the musicians come up, Okay. We're going to pray. Father, there's just not enough time. Five hours wouldn't be enough to be able to explain and speak and talk and share about this. Father, I pray for my friends. I know, I know here we have represented grandmothers and grandfathers, aunts and uncles, dads and moms, friends of the family. Lord, my prayer is that in a very real and powerful way, that you would give them a vision for the children in their lives. And that they would help to raise them in a way that draw them to yourself. Father, for those here who don't know you and who have not surrendered their life to you, would you help them to see you as a heavenly father, even if their parents blew it or are blowing it? Father, I ask that in Jesus' name there would be a sense and a weight on the parents in this service. That you would give them wisdom on how to apply this. That you would not allow the child to be the ruler in the home, but in fact you would give wisdom to the parents so that he could direct and lead the child. And Father, I just ask that there would be a sense of interdependence. I pray that the single moms would take advantage of the godly men in this room to help make up for what their missing father, missing husband would. I pray, oh God, that you would bring a revival and that we would all take responsibility for the children that we connect with in our community and in the community at large. Father, I pray that you do a miracle work. Lord, for those of us here who have raised our children and who just feel nothing but regret throughout this service, I pray that you would give us mercy. Remind us, O oh God, that if our kids are still alive, there's still hope. Help us to reach out to them in a loving way, even if it's just to apologize. And help us, O oh God, to honor you in all that we do. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.